Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rose? Where we're going, we don't need Rose. No. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello, everybody, and welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we are broadcasting live currently, so if you are watching this live, hello and welcome. If you are watching after the fact or listening to the podcast version, uh, also hello and welcome. Just a slightly delayed hello and welcome, I guess. Right, Phil? Yeah, welcome whenever you're watching this. Right, exactly. All all are welcome no matter when you watch. That's how we we, we are all people are welcome at the after the ending uh, conversation. Exactly. If you are watching it live, you can uh, comment if you're watching it on Facebook, and we will be able to see those comments, and we can always flash them up if we deem them worthy. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. We love getting audience participation. That's one of the reasons we, we decided to switch to this live video format, um, so so feel free. And, and anybody who's listening to the podcast version or watching afterwards, um, you know, we'll like Phil said, we'll put them on the screen. Uh, we'll read them out loud for people who are listening to the audio version. But uh, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of fun. We, we like doing that. So uh, please feel free to jump in and participate if you are watching live. This is only our second night of doing live episodes. So right now the uh, the live audience is still a little on the small side, but we're getting there. We're getting there. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's as we've mainly been an audio podcast, it's still one of those things we're getting used to. Yeah, uh, yeah, we're getting used to seeing my face is one of the main things. <laughs> I know, right? I know. I'm so used to just hearing you in my ears, Phil. It's all it's so nice to be able to see you and like you know interact and move, you know, and 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 That's you know it. things like that. Usually, we have to wait for New York Comic Con, but because of what's been going on, that hasn't been happening for the past couple of years. This year, yeah. well, only what year one. Year? I could forget what year we're in. Yeah, I know. It seems like longer, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so today we're doing our usual uh, two episodes. Uh, we're going to do our ending episode and then our top five episodes. So this is our ending episode. We are going after the ending of uh, 1998's Dark City, uh, which is a great sci-fi film that we both love. And then yeah. we are going to... listening to our previous uh, audio ones. It's a film as well that we've talked about an awful lot. So It's funny you say that, Phil. I was going to mention, I think this is probably one of like our... like. I don't know, maybe top five or at least top 10 most mentioned films yeah. in the podcast, right? Like it definitely came up. I feel like every five or six episodes, at least we would end up talking about Dark City at some point or another. Quite a bit, but it's, I'm glad we're finally doing a bit of a after the ending for it. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, uh, a, a little behind the scenes, uh, Phil messaged me before the show uh, this morning. It was like, have we not done this before? And I was like, I, I don't think so, but I'll double check. And I went through and I had to go, because I couldn't remember, I had to go through and look at all 115 previous episodes to make sure we hadn't actually done it before because we talked yeah. about it so much. It's like we had, um, but we never have. We've never done an official after the ending for it. That's yeah, so okay. We go. Uh, then we'll also be talking about Godzilla versus Kong, one of the big streaming slash theatrical uh, releases that's getting a lot of buzz right now. So we'll be sharing our opinions on that. Um, and then we'll take a break for about a minute or two, and we'll come back and continue the live broadcasting with our end, uh, top five episode, and we'll, we'll tell more about that when we get to it. So, uh, Phil, do we want to tell just a little bit of a, about what Dark City is about to refresh people's memories? 
Yeah, well, Dark City, it's all about a guy who wakes up in a dark city, but he's uh, he's got amnesia, there's a dead body, it's that classic setup. Uh, it's Rufus Sewell as well, who uh, he's a top bloke. And we uh, met him, both of us, we got to meet him. Yeah, that was a, a bizarre situation. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but uh, yeah, it, he wakes up with no memory of where, who he is or how he got there, but there's a dead body, and he's trying to find out what it is, what's happened to him and why he was there. There's also strange people led by Richard O'Brien, who are walking around the city trying to find him, and it's always night. And it basically turns out that the city is uh, floating in space. Um, Richard O'Brien and these other people, they're all aliens who are observing humanity, trying to find out all they can about us. And Rufus Sewell and Jennifer Connolly are trying to keep away from them and free the people or just try and figure out what's going on. But it's an excellent film. I'm sure many of you have already seen it. It's one of those ones I always wish there was a sequel, but uh, it's still good we got that first film anyway. Yeah, and um, and if, you know, since we never got a sequel, now now we're sort of doing ours, right? Um, yeah. But I will just mention real quick that that our main character John did have this tuning ability, which kind of allowed him to um, reshape the city and things like that. And at the end of the movie, he creates this. Uh, we've already spoiled most of it, so if you haven't seen it, I don't know why you're listening. Still, uh, he creates sort of the shell beach, um, with like it's like a beach with like there's like a mountain behind it and stuff like that as kind of a new area of the city uh, with his with his powers. So and Emma kind of has amnesia, but anyway, like I said, if you've seen the movie, this will sound familiar to you. If you haven't, our endings won't make any sense to you anyway. So come back in approximately five to ten minutes when we get to the next part of the show. Yeah, yeah, but it's it's worth checking out. Here it is, Dark City. Yep, there it is. You yeah, know, it's got some great set design, uh, great performances, and it's all kind of creepy. Uh, but it's it's one I, I've watched many times, and I I'm going to watch it again very soon. Yeah. So so I'll, I'll say this before we get into our endings. Let me let me talk for people who are not familiar with this movie. It, it, it is from 1998. It was directed by Alex Proyas, who directed The Crow, one of my favorite movies of all time, uh, and I Robot. Um, and it is like you said, Phil, a lot of great design to it. It's it's a very um, it's just a really cool film. It's very different from what you expect. Uh, it it it's really unique movie. If you haven't watched it and you're still interested after we spoiled everything for you, I, I highly Highly recommend that. I know Phil and I both, we, we count this as one of our favorite movies, I think, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, pretty clearly um, a movie that we both love, have watched multiple times. Um, and like I said, we've talked about it a lot on the show. So um, it, it's definitely worth tracking down. Yeah, indeed. And you can buy it wherever there's Blu-rays. I don't think it's on any of the streaming services. You know, not this month. Who knows? You know how the streaming services are, right? They just change from time to time. Yeah. And, you know, you get on at some point. It'll show up for sure. Definitely, if you get it on a streaming service that you already get, it's worth watching. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's go after the ending of Dark City. Phil, do you want to kick us off this week? Okay, I will. I shall, I shall crack on. Uh, so John is the main character. He's Rufus Sewell. But he, he spent the next few months after the events of the film using his powers, his tuning abilities, to slowly increase the size of the city and give different environments to make a better place for people to live. It was also because he'd shifted the whole city. There's now plenty of sunlight. People are going about their business. They're no longer all being put to sleep. They can actually talk and try and discover what exactly is going on for themselves. He also found that the city had been receiving decades worth of television and radio signals from Earth. So he released them. So the population had more things to watch. And he also used some of the imagery that he saw on those TV shows to update the city and bring it up to date and have different sections again make it all very because it's all very art deco in the original film 
which is cool, but a few more different elements. His relationship with Emma keeps growing and she falls in love with him once again. She begins to recall why she, she was in love with him. Uh, John also spent time giving the city's population dreams as they sleep to explain where they really are. And, uh, and he did it in such a way that there was no panic because obviously thinking you're on Earth or finding out you're on a, just a city floating in space could be a little bit panicking, but uh, he does it. He does it well because he cares about the people who are there. And if anything, it gave people purpose. And many volunteered to man monitoring stations to keep track of the space around the city, to observe the stars, planets, and things. Make sure nothing was going to hit them, basically, because again, they're on this tiny little thing in space. Uh, John lived a quiet life with Emma on Shell Beach, and rarely used his powers. And life was pretty good. The population kept increasing. He kept making the place bigger. And then a few years later, he got a call to go to the Monitor HQ as another city had been spotted and was approaching. Mm. That's my ending. Very cool. Leave it a little open for a cliffhanger there. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll make it a trilogy. Yeah, why not, right? You wanted your yeah, sequel. Yeah. Well, go all in, right? Oh, yeah. I like that. Thank you very much. I also make a good TV show as well because they keep doing that, oh, taking yeah. old films, turning them into TV shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I but anyway, definitely. that was my ending. What about uh, what about yours? What's going on after the ending with you? All right. Well, I think you know one of the things that uh, has always been true about uh, after the ending is sometimes our endings are a little bit similar, sometimes they're crazy different. Um, mm -hmm. And this is, I'm going to say, not the, the most different. I mean, I would definitely go in some different directions, but there's a few similarities between our differences. So, yeah, or yeah. a few similarities between our Few similarities, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, I'm, uh, among our, our, our endings. But here's what I've got. Uh, let's see. John and Emma settle into a comfortable routine. Uh, since John introduced sunlight to the world of Dark City, life has taken on a relatively normal tone with mornings, afternoons, evenings, nights. Uh, Shell Beach and the surrounding areas have become popular destinations for the citizens of the city. And John continues to use his tuning ability to improve the world, cleaning up the, the dingy city, turning it into as much of a utopia as he can. But Emma is restless, often waking up in the middle of the night due to intense nightmares. John often considers telling her the truth, but he knows that ultimately it's going to cause more problems than it solves for both of them, so he keeps the secret. One night, though, Emma bolts upright in bed, seemingly in a trance, speaking in a voice too low to be heard and understood. Then a wave of bright light emanates from her, so intense it nearly blinds John. It shoots out of her, engulfing the entire city, and then fades away as Emma collapses into unconsciousness. John works to wake her up, and when she finally opens her eyes, she says to him, I remember, I remember everything. While Emma recuperates, John becomes aware of an almost imperceptible shift in the feel of the city. After a few days of research, he comes to an undeniable conclusion. The city is moving in a new direction. Ooh. And wait, there's a little bit more. Okay. So now we switch locales. Kayla Song stares at the computer screen in front of her in disbelief. She can't get she can't believe the readings she's getting, but she's checked and double-checked the numbers, and there's no denying the results. Kayla was barely even a toddler when a series of mysterious events rocked the planet Earth, culminating in the utter disappearance of the entire city of Fairfield, California. But now, as she looks at the data in front of her, there's no denying it. An object, the exact dimensions of the missing city, have been located in deep, deep space. And its trajectory shows. It's coming back to Earth. And that's the end. Nice. Nice. So maybe setting up for a trilogy as well, right? Because yeah. you know, now we've got the setup and it's going to go. So is the city going to make it back to Earth safely? Is it going to crash into Earth? Who knows? That's for mm -hmm. another 
And what happens when it gets to Earth with his tuning ability and things like that? Well, see, that's there you go. See, in my head, I'd like to think he's going to be able to plant it back and they're going to all yeah, come back, yeah. Earth, you know, but uh, I don't know. I believe that for whoever writes the next, for the, the whoever writes the third film. Oh, I like it. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. So there you go. That is Dark City. That's behind the, the after the ending of Dark City. Uh, really a great movie. Definitely worth checking out if you haven't. Yeah. I mean, the one thing, what the only criticism I have for it is when I first saw it at the cinema, uh, the audio, the music, the score was so loud in places you couldn't hear some of the uh, mm. some of the dialogue. But on the Blu-ray, the director's cut, that was rectified. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, I've never, uh, I did not see it in theaters. Uh, I only ever saw it on video. I've seen it several times, but I never, I never got to see it in theaters. So I didn't, I didn't have that experience. Obviously, um, I don't remember it being an issue on the home video, but mm. you know. Her, who knows? Uh, well, I was made up though because I went to see it. It was one of those times when I didn't know anything about it. We just went to see this film. The poster was good. Like, yeah. I just remember sitting there going, oh, what? What? <laughs> That's always the best experience, isn't it? Though, when you go oh, when oh, you yeah. a movie like that that you just don't know that much about and then you watch it and you're like blown away by it. Oh, definitely. Well, it's, I think that brings us neatly around to uh, Godzilla versus Kong because you just don't expect what's going to happen at all in that, do you? Because it's... <laughs> I mean, you're not entirely wrong in some ways. <laughs> oh, no. well, some bit, yeah. But I mean, I didn't think Godzilla would be fighting Kong. Well, maybe that's because I'm an idiot. But, uh... <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's get into it then. So, Godzilla versus Kong, the latest uh, big monster mashup. Um, it debuted on HBO Max. It's uh, it's in select theaters, depending on where you live, um, and uh, it's it's out for people to watch. And uh, it's it got a lot of buzz. People talking about it. Um, and it is definitely a movie that exists. Phil, uh, what... Oh, it's still making an awful lot of money as well. It's been one of the big success stories of the cinema this year, which it's not that hard to do, but it's it's, it's nice to see a film making money. Yeah, absolutely. I'm certainly glad for that, especially in the, you know, the post-pandemic world. I'm, I'm happy to see, uh, you know, it's succeeding on that level. Um, how, how do you feel it succeeded on a creative level? What did you think of the film? Uh, well, I've seen... Well, I've seen all of the ones of this new Godzilla series, there's 2014 Godzilla, uh, Kong Skull Island, Godzilla King of the Monsters, and now this one. Uh, and I've all, I've enjoyed them all to different degrees. I think I, I enjoyed this one more than Godzilla King of the Monsters because you could actually see the fights, mm -hmm. which was good. Uh, I like seeing Kong. I like I think I like the bits where the monsters were fighting. And then, but there was a couple of times where even that went on a bit too long. And I sort of started my attention, started drifting. But all the bits with the humans, I just kept going, oh, no, can we just can we just skip? And I know that doesn't make for a full film. If it just been literally Kong and Godzilla fighting for a full hour and a half or whatever it was, it would get pretty boring. Yeah. Well, I'm sure you could do it, but it'd have to be little bits and pieces. But they try and do, have these human stories, and the, they never really work. Uh, and this, But this one, it didn't work very well at all I and mean, you just kept going no just move on i want to see what's going this why are they doing this what well, you could cut out the whole millie bobby brown and the uh the podcast guy's story and it wouldn't right. really change much right yeah yeah what about you i mean i i don't disagree with anything that you said um i think if you're a fan of buildings i've i've got bad news for you about <laughs> um the i really get it yeah i think that um the makers of the Godzilla franchise are on a quest to prove that they can write the worst human characters in the history of cinema, and they are winning, hands yeah. down. 
Um, but here's where I, I, I'll differ a little bit. I think you enjoyed the Godzilla movies more than I did. I, I really didn't like the first one because Godzilla isn't even in it. Um, King of the Monsters was just, I don't know, it should have been awesome because yeah. it, it, it is kind of just like two hours of monsters fighting it. Somehow it's still really boring. Um, but I think I differ in that. I think Kong Skull Island is an absolute masterpiece. I think it is. I, I think that's the best one. Yeah, I mean, hands down, it's the best one. I think it's one of the best movies of like the past 10 years. I, I absolutely love Skull Island. I think it's like King Kong in an Apocalypse Now movie. Yeah. Um, and I think it's brilliant. And I was really distressed when I found out they were doing Godzilla versus Kong because I wanted a proper sequel to Skull Island because I, I love that movie so much. So I wanted another Kong movie that was going to be good. And I knew as soon as I saw they were putting Godzilla in that I was most likely in trouble. Um, and unfortunately i think that that is borne out yes the monster fight scenes are fun so for all of you guys who are watching and saying like or listening and saying like you guys are a bunch of stick in the muds it's just meant to be fun yeah the monster fight scenes are fun but the the human scenes are just terrible the the the, the characters are written poorly none of the performances make them any better i didn't care about a single character except maybe the little girl and she's barely a part of it really yeah. um it's you know the it's just it was just bad. Like, you know, yeah, every 30 minutes or so, there was a, you know, a five minute knock them down, drag out action scene between two giant monsters, which is fun. Uh, again, unless you're a fan of buildings, but, um, and it looked great on that respect, but then it was just like, I could just, I, as I was watching, I thought of like five different plot lines that would have made this movie so much simpler with the human characters and made it easier to, to watch. Like, you know, how about they were just transporting Kong somewhere, you know, cause like in the original movie, they, maybe somebody came and captured him, was bringing him to New York to be in a stage show or something, and then King Kong shows up, or then Godzilla shows up to fight him. I don't know. Like you had this whole thing with the Hollow Earth and with the the company and these these you know magnetic. Yeah, that was, that was another thing as well, which I've seen a few people comment on, is the fact that technology is like suddenly become yeah by technology, whereas all the others have been kind of well, especially the first Godzilla was very grounded. Mm -hmm. uh, Kong Skull Island was set in the 70s, which is another thing I like. I, th I think Kong Skull Island also had the best characters in it because they actually had a bit of personality and, and depth to them, most of them. Uh, but yeah, the, the technology's jumped. If you get it, you, the opening credits basically show that things have moved ahead. Right. So happened before. And it just, I know these films are, meant, are ridiculous and have all silly, goofy things. And like the original Toho films, you watch them, the, the human characters and that are basically pretty boring as well and you want to get the, the monsters fighting and it does get ridiculous which is all part of the charm right but it's uh yeah it just it's just i just kept sitting there going oh come on that's just why what's doing this why right sense? why did they use the big wormhole thing going to the hollow earth yet when godzilla blasts down you can just climb up and get to him and right. yeah. yeah it's very, very poorly put together. And wasn't it like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, because I only saw it the one time, but wasn't Godzilla King of the Monsters, like, wasn't the world, like, almost at an end, basically? Like, hadn't the world just been, like, destroyed by these monsters, mostly? Yeah, there'd been lots of, lots of the cities destroyed by them and the rebuilding. I uh, guess it seemed like it was, like, it was, like, almost post-apocalyptic for King of the Monsters, and here it was, like, everything's just fine. Yeah, yeah there's a building from back then that was destroyed, but overall it wasn't that big of a deal. And I, I swear, King of the Monsters made it feel like there wasn't even that many humans left, you know, because the monsters had destroyed so much of the earth. It just that's seemed true. like they were like, yeah, we're just going to gloss over that. that. That's true. But also, the main big thing, the problem with the plot, well, 
of about the three things. But uh, spoilers here. But the main thing is there's a big rich there's a, a a rich guy who's trying to build Mecha Godzilla. He needs a power source for it because he wants something so humanity can defend from you know themselves against the the Kaiju Godzilla and the rest. Should anything go rogue, and really that's that's quite a sensible thing to do. Sure, so that's been treated as the uh, the bad the bad guy. But uh, yeah, it just. It just fell flat, and I was watching it as well on a projector at home, so I, I was getting some of the big screen action because it will it does work better on a big screen. Sure, but uh, I don't know. Maybe it would have worked better if it had been in a cinema with loads of people and people cheering and things like that. The big fights, because sometimes I like that atmosphere. I mean, I think you would have enjoyed the experience more, but mm -hmm. I don't think it would have really changed how you felt about the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. because it's just not. It's just not very good. It, it is, uh, it's a shame as well because there's, there's potential there. I just don't know why. I don't know how you'd, you'd get it. But, uh, as you say, a sequel to Kong School Island probably would have been better. Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's funny. I was uh, talking to I, had, I was having a work meeting, you know, the weekend before it came out, and I had watched it that Thursday night when it came out, and this was Friday, right after it came out, and, and my my one colleague was saying, "Oh my gosh, I'm so excited! I'm going to watch Godzilla versus Kong this weekend." And my other colleague was saying, "Well, we we just finally watched One Woman, and we loved it, and now I'm, I can't wait to watch One Woman 1984." And I, like, I didn't want to like harsh their buzz, but I was like, both <laughs> like. Well, you both enjoy your movie experiences and let me know <laughs> how they go. Expectation. Neither one of those is really all that great uh, an experience. And I don't, I never got the report back on Wonder Woman, but my coworker said she tried three times to watch Godzilla versus Kong and only get three, 30 minutes into it. And then she gave up. So uh, that's not, that's not great. Which is ironic because 30 minutes into it, it finally picks up because that's when right. the first starts. Right. That's, but that's part of the problem, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. if you're going to do it, like, you know, start off with something exciting first, and then you know, the, really, the only part of the movie that I I thought was clever was the oh, very opening scene with King Kong with all the, the '70s music. You know, sort of like you know, very yeah. like soft rock kind of you know music, and then it was like just downhill from there. I think it was good treating Kong as the protagonist as the, the hero of the thing. Yes, back to him. Uh, to be honest, I think Cloverfield's probably one of the best of monster movies where they sort of had decent, well, semi decent characters because you you may you follow oh, yeah. them. Now. Those people all the way through. I think yeah, I that's probably why I need to go back and rewatch Godzilla 2014 to see how that stands up nowadays. Because maybe the seeing these, no, have you done it? Okay, I've never been a big fan of that movie, but I went back to it uh, probably I think sometime last year just because I was kind of like, well, maybe I was too hard on it because of the fact that Godzilla is not mm -hmm. in it, and the movie's called Godzilla and he never shows up. Um, I don't think it gets any better with age, to be honest with you. Oh, now, okay. I, here's my. <laughs> it's been a while. Mike's controversial opinion of the week. If you guys, my, our <laughs> long-term listeners, will remember those, I'll maintain that still the best Godzilla movie of the past twenty-five years is the 1998 version by Roland Emmerich because I actually like that movie, and I think if you watch it now, it's not nearly as bad as people think it is compared to some of these most recent ones. Uh, but that's just me. Yeah. Um, no, the best, the best Godzilla one in recent years though was the uh, the Japanese one. From Godzilla is that the one? one? Everyone says I haven't seen it yet, so I'll like I'll allow for that. But of the American versions, the only one that I think is watchable is the '98 one that everyone swears is terrible, but I think is actually a pretty good film. Once it's you got characters in it, it's got some characters yeah. in it that would be good. Well, I didn't I didn't like it originally, but I rewatched it a few years ago, and I was like, this movie is actually a lot of fun. Like, if you can get over all your Godzilla ness about like, oh, it doesn't look like Godzilla, it's just a T Rex, and blah blah blah. I don't care. <laughs> it, it, like, once it starts going though, it's a lot of fun. There's just some really great action scenes in it, so. 
Uh, that to me is still the best one, but I know people don't yeah, like that. Yeah, so. that's got a lot of baggage to it. But Shin Godzilla is the only Godzilla film where there's a, bit, uh, there's a moment in it when Godzilla does something, and I went, "Oh my god, no way!" It's just you actually get the scale of the destruction that something like Godzilla could do. Right. I have so to watch that. even in this one when you see buildings get knocked over and people getting killed and and aircraft carriers sinking and stuff with loss of tens, you know, hundreds of people. But you're still going, oh. Yeah, you don't even really ever get a sense of that, though. It's also, it's also um, just I don't know, massive and destructive. That like even all those buildings getting smashed, you know, there's thousands of people getting killed in those, but like you never see any of that. So there's like, not that I want to see like people dying. That's not what I'm saying, but like there's just no sense of of any real stakes to it because it's just it's almost yeah. like you know toy monsters on a playset. Like there's just no sense of any kind of human connection to anything and again because they write such terrible human characters at that certain point they're just like ah whatever let's just fight the monsters which is fine but like by that point you've already lost interest you know so yeah but, yeah. but i will say if they ever do a pacific rim versus godzilla and kong i will be there to watch that yeah it'll be it'll be a lot of fun <laughs> i'm actually yeah. watching the godzilla films and the kong films because i do like the idea i've always liked godzilla and i've liked kong so i'm always going to be there to watch them um, yeah, I will do. I just there's moments, there's moments in some of these fights you're going, yeah, but it's it's a bit of a slog to get to them. Yeah, somebody should be able to make a better movie than this. It should not be that hard to put together a really awesome movie where you have Godzilla and King Kong fighting each other. Like it just shouldn't be that difficult. You know what I mean? The one th the one good thing is though, it does look amazing though. The the fights, it's lots of it's in daylight. You can see where the creatures are. None yeah. of that stuff like in King of the Monsters where it's smoky or there's rain. This time you can yeah. see them having proper fights. Uh, using this terrain to their advantage, and it's like it's no shaky cam; it's pulled back, so you right. can see what's going on. A bit like the fights in Kong Skull Island as well. Yes, so yes, exactly. That's, that's a good thing about that because there's the people who make the film have done an incredible job visually, which is really oh yeah, cool. technically yeah. it definitely it definitely stands up without a doubt. But All right, curious, watch it and let us know what you think. Yeah, comment. Let us know what you think. Uh, you know, tell us tell us if, if we're wrong and you're right, or you know if you agree or whatever. But uh, let us know what you think about uh, Godzilla versus Kong as well. Um, and yeah, that is going to wrap up. This is what we're calling our. What are we calling these, Phil? Our uh, so far, it's going to be called the ending episode. Yeah, yeah. We're right now. We're still working on. The, we're still working on things. This is our ending episode. Our next episode is going to be our top five episode because we're splitting them up. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to wrap up this episode for now. Um, if you're watching live, we'll be back in just a couple minutes. And if you're not watching live, then it, it'll show up probably next in the queue. Um, yeah. But our next episode will be our top five and our ATE recommends. Um, and yeah, that's uh, anything else you want to say about about anything, Phil? Uh, no, just click that button when it comes up to watch the next part of this show. There you go. All right. Remember, uh, go watch Dark City if you haven't seen it. Uh, Godzilla vs. Kong, you're on your own. That's uh, <laughs> at your own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So, uh, as always, thank you very much for watching and or listening. And uh, until then, uh, until we come back, my name is Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And we'll see you next time. After the ending.